With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's the latest, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Devin Ugland and Ronnie Flores here, as usual, as always. Ronnie, um, today we're talking an important topic. You, you put out a cryptic tweet uh, a couple days ago, as you are known for. You're like the king of cryptic tweets. Uh, you predicted the, uh, the crazy high school basketball stuff going on uh, now a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It's... And uh, you're right. We have a, a good topic today, which is kind of sports specialization um, and how there's a shift from, you know, kids, especially at the youth level, playing multiple sports, whether it's basketball, baseball, basketball, baseball, football, football, baseball, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, and now it's like, you know, kids are playing tennis or they're playing yeah. golf or they're playing basketball or they're playing baseball specifically those sports get, only. Yeah, to, to get, try to get as good as you edge, can. Get it, yeah, get, to try to get as good as you can in that To get sport. that bag later in yeah, life. Yeah, the parents um, see different things. Yeah. Uh, before it used to be like, go outside and play, but I, and now it's like, we're going to go over to here to this yeah. gym for this particular reason. We're going to train, we're going to shoot here, yeah, we're yeah. going to go to this gym, and we're going to do ball handling here, yeah. we're going to go to this gym and do plyometrics, yeah. whatever, Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to go to high school or club practice. Yeah. That's really and it's uh, basketball reason, because we, we don't... We're speaking about basketball, right? Yeah. but that happens in other sports does, as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we're speaking as basketball-centric, and it's almost like part-time job for these kids, and we've seen it, Devin, we're... And we spoke about that. Full-time job. We spoke about that before where sometimes we see kids that maybe they don't look the happiest to be at an event on any particular weekend. They just look like they'd rather be at home or just vegging or going to to the movies. Honestly, we've seen that before Uh, at the high school level we're speaking. And we're speaking, too, now of, of the youth level. And, you know, obviously there's more pressure than ever before. There's more media attention. Um, you know, Devin, what, what do you see in, in that regard? Um, obviously, there's more club <laughs> yeah, club lot, teams, lot club but sure. that, that's besides the besides the point. People want to – there's participation numbers are big. Basketball might be the most popular sport in America. Yeah, I think America. We're bringing on Baxter – Participation-wise. Numbers-wise, yeah, we're bringing on Baxter Holmes, um, ESPN senior writer here in a few minutes who wrote a story on ESPN.com. Uh, it's called entitled These Kids Are Ticking Time Bombs, The Threat of Youth Basketball. Uh, we're going to discuss with him kind of his findings. You, you reported it for two years, you know, talking to people from multiple levels of youth basketball, from mm-hmm. U, uh, AAU to high school, and then a lot of NBA trainers and, and guys like that, and kind of guys that really know what they're doing, know what they're and doing, and see see firsthand the increase in injuries uh, and just at the at the NBA level, um, and just the damage people the are doing damage, to their yeah, they're but, doing to their bodies at a young age. Right, he'll touch base on that um, in, in a little bit here, but. First, Ronnie, your question to me, what am I seeing? I'm seeing, um, obviously, the, the rise in interest in basketball. It's in the most general. popular sport in America, I think. Yeah, uh, easy numbers to play. Wise, yeah. You can play by yourself. Get some shoes, uh, get a yeah. ball, go to the park, shoot. Yeah. yeah, and I think the misnomer is, especially with this drive that the concussions in the NFL and in college. That's helping basketball. Correct. So it gives this notion, Devin, and you correct me if you think I'm wrong, that Basketball is like you're not going to get injured playing. Now, is that because 
you're comparing it to football or another sport, or is it because you don't know the game and if you keep playing, you keep doing the same movements, you can get yeah. injured. Yeah. yeah. And we're I seeing think injuries right. at a young age. I think you're right. I think kids think it's safe compared or to parents baseball. parents think, that, yeah. okay, it's safer than football for sure, obviously. And, and what kid wants to get beaned if you, if you, with the heat? <laughs> Dude, the what thing. kid when wants to younger, get beaned with the heat, when damn I, it? When I was younger, when I played, when I played Little League, man, yeah. I, I was the guy who loved to throw at people. Yeah, yeah. I could not hit because I was scared shitless of the ball. Well, there you go. I, mean, I didn't want to get crushed. You people, Some kids don't want to get crushed, and it takes... A good bean and you get over it. And right. Sometimes you get over it and you're like, and I sometimes love you. Don't. And yeah. sometimes you want to go, let's go play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and that's great. Yeah, I mean, as, as soon as the baseball game was over, dude, I was playing basketball in my baseball. Yeah. I had my basketball shoes in my baseball bag and I go play basketball at the, at the see court that. next to the field. And there's plenty of kids like that. But I was scared shitless of the baseball. I could throw it at somebody because I, I was. You, you know, could throw the ball, yeah. I could, yeah, I could throw and the ball. And that's somebody. another thing we're going to talk a little bit about. We're going to bring on another guest, Coach Frank Knight of Moreau Catholic, and just talk about athletes playing multiple sports in high school. Uh, you know, what an athlete is. I think sometimes we get confused that a kid, you know, is third, 14 years old and can dunk that he's a great athlete. Right. But can Especially he, with show, social media, right. you know? Can you catch a can you catch a fly ball? A routine fly ball. Could yeah. that kid catch a... I don't know. Maybe. But for the most part, you throw kids who specialize in a single sport into another sport, or, yeah. and they struggle to play yeah. that sport. And that's a little bit of what Baxter touched on for in sure. his article. He's a little bit probably what we're going to uh, speak about. I think it starts, Ronnie. I just had something pop in my head. It, it starts with obviously parents seeing kind of a, a, a dream for their kid being like, oh, I, I love basketball, so my son's going to love basketball. Sure. And we're going to, you know, from the time he can pick it up and dribble and walk, we're going to work and we're, we're going to get to college. We want, you know, free education, get yeah. to the NBA, secure that bag. That's all That's all great. I think the parents have good intentions, but sure. I think somewhere it gets shifted. Yeah. And it's, right, it, it gets it, delusional. It gets a little delusional. And then there, another thing is, all these different facilities that pop up and 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 cl- uh, event operators and and people there's events every single weekend. I mean, we've yeah. been Ronnie, we've been going since the, like before CIF playoffs for basketball, which and is March. There, That's February. March, there are spring league. Spring Correct. leagues have started already. Spring leagues start teams, before. Yeah, for teams who have already had the playoffs. Knocked out of the playoffs or didn't make the playoffs. And then we go to April, club starts. And then that's yeah. May, June, Live July. Appearance. Into yeah. August now. We're already in August and we still got other events. There was, cl- there, was a, there was a club event at the end of August in Vegas. That was the first May time that's Ju- happened yeah. for in a while, ever since yeah. the, the calendar changed, right? Yeah. So, so in the beginning of August. Yeah, beginning first of week August, of August. Right. You had an event. I had an event. I'm serious yeah. thing. I'm, I'm in on this too. I'm guilty yeah. of it, I guess. Sure. I mean, uh, there's... Other events, I went to a showcase, one-day showcase in Atlanta that was <laughs> pretty good last Saturday. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was very good. For there was It was similar to, uh, uh, it was a fresh off 222s, 223s. It's all good players. Um, they but came then, from the South. Right. So then we have Bay vs. LA this weekend. Bay vs. LA at Cerritos College this weekend. And then Aaron Bergen has Cream of the County on the 31st. Which is still in August. August 31st. Yeah. And then we go into September, and I think there's a couple... Like one-off camps or on the seventh like, or seventh or something like that, and then yeah, seventh. The Ron 6th, Massey Memorial. Ron Massey's fourteenth to fifteenth, and that's a big, huge high school tournament. It's a massive high school tournament with good players, good teams playing full bore. Kids are just now getting back into school. Correct. So, so there, there is no rest time really um, nowadays. I mean, you've got to. I think the key is, um, is parents saying. The key is going to be parents saying, hey, look, we can't play every weekend. Sure. Or a club saying, we're not going to play every weekend. Right? We're not going to go to this event. Kids take off a, a certain event, go to you know another event, take a whole week off, take two weeks off. That, that should be all fine and, and dandy. But like you said, the media, the pressure, 
to feel like, oh, I'm missing this event, so my ranking's going to go down. Sure. Or, or whatever it might be. Or whatever, whatever their concerns might, might be. Yeah. They're, those are legitimate concerns that, that people have. Exposure, I'm not getting the exposure the other kid right. is, is getting. For us, we've, we've covered a lot of youth in high school basketball. Um, it's an exposure thing. You know, kid, yeah. I think kids and parents feel like they're going to be missing out on exposure if they don't go to this camp, if they don't go to this spring league, if their high school's not playing in this spring league. What do you sure. think? I think that too. I think we saw it with Section 7. And that's just, you know, some kids just didn't play games that week, but the kids that did benefited a lot. Right. You know, same thing with the NCA camps. You didn't, people didn't know about it. And some went, they played games. They, they worked out all that weekend. So let's talk about the kids who were not there. What did they do, Devin? Maybe they ran home. Maybe they were wondering why they didn't go to the camp. Maybe they, they what they did is probably call their travel coach and say, how come I didn't get in this camp? Right. But they weren't playing. So, but I'm saying somebody was playing, and then somebody was playing the next week. So it's very interesting how that, that builds in that, in that uh, where we are now, where we're in August, and August kind of used to be a downtime getting ready for September football. Well, now football is going, you know, uh, football is going for I mean, football, football starts early now. Yeah, football starts early. That's going football. So if you, if you like basketball and football, you are – what rest do you have? You've been playing summer ball if you're pretty good. And now, like a kid like Drake London, if he was still in high school, he'd be far, going right for, to play with Moore Park in a week or two. Right. Yeah, After he, he played in some events Because his, his, his BTI team yeah. played in Dinos' thing August 1st to the 4th. Correct. So he'd end on that 4th, and mm-hmm. Drake London go back to Moore Park and immediately start football practice. Correct. But that's, a, that's one of the guys who is one of the best two-sport athletes we've seen come through Southern California in a long time. time. Sure. So maybe and his body is prepared for that. That's another thing we're going to talk about yeah, later. Maybe, or maybe he yeah. does rest properly that, you know, we're not seeing on a daily basis. So, you know, that's it's very interesting, all this, uh, but what comes out from yeah. this. So, uh, Devin, talk, give us a little uh, couple uh, key points of what, you know, uh, Baxter was was speaking out in his story. Yeah, I think. And what you got from it. Yeah, I think. I read it, uh, ESPN.com. It made some, it made you know a lot of waves on social media uh, when he published it a few weeks back. But um, yes, yeah, some of the key points, I guess, is like a lot of the trainers in college level and NBA level think like, okay, these players are already broken down. Their bodies are already broken down by the time they get to college. By the time they get to the NBA, I guess it's a, they're peaking early, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, and another thing I, I noticed was the big shift in when. This started as specialization kind of started, especially on the basketball level. Was basketball when, side, yeah. Basketball side was when in the early 2000s when a lot of people, uh, a lot of high school to pros were, were declaring. Were, yeah, they yeah. were declaring early to go to the pros in the early 2000s. Um, and and that, that kind of that made dreams happen for everybody else, right? Parents see, oh, KG, you know, he's successful. Kobe Bryant, yeah. successful. Tracy McGrady. Tracy McGrady. You, I mean, we can go off on the on and on about the list, um, and that kind of started like, okay, we need to get as many reps as possible in basketball to be like KG, to be like correct Kobe there's, Bryant. There's no stopping to, be able to go to prep it. to prep yeah. the pros, right? Correct. You want to do this at 17, 18 years old, so you need to prepare at 12, 13 for it. Obviously, in the media, people see you know Kevin Garnett got a huge contract three or four years into his career with the. Minnesota Timberwolves basically, in essence, caused the NBA lockout. It was so such a big. People were like, "Wow, this contract that Garnett got is worth as much or more than the Minnesota Timberwolves paid to get into the league." 
right. 10 years earlier or whatever, you know, in the late 80s. It was 10 years later, and Garnett was making bushels of money, and it was three or four years after he got out of high school. So all that was very interesting, uh, you know, and, and th- this is a very interesting topic. I, I do – a couple things I saw was like – the Showtime Lakers, you know, Gary Vee, the longtime trainer, who's one of the most famous trainers, you know, probably in the NBA history. People know who he is because he, he was associated with that team. He said the team would take two or three weeks off after the season uh, before they they got into, like, uh, working out without and basketball. They, and they'd slowly, they wouldn't work out with basketball. basketball. They'd be doing, like, yeah. the bike or jogging. running, jogging, uh, yeah. yeah, like, uh, uh, swimming, things like that. Yeah, and I could see the Lakers, uh, Vee is obviously well uh, you know, credible guys. So he, they follow his regimen, and and they did that. I I could see that those guys just jogging like at Hermosa Beach or on the pier or something, and and then slowly getting into basketball later in the summer. Right. You know, uh, same thing with you hear that Michael Jordan played golf mostly in the off season. Yeah. Now obviously, you know he would wasn't just working out per se all the time after a couple week break when the season ended, especially for him. Especially from age twenty six to maybe like thirty two, he was playing until late late June every year. So yeah, so he it's not like he was getting knocked out of the playoffs or yeah. wasn't in the playoffs. I read, yeah, I yeah. read that like up until like training camp is when he'd kind of pick up the ball and start going again. But up until then, he if they did you know practices, he'd come and ice his knees, yeah. uh, you know maybe shoot around a little bit, then go play golf. Yeah, and, and which is smart. That's the greatest player. The owner probably live. was owner was probably yeah. great. Get out of here. Yeah, you don't need to get injured. Right. You know, like. Obviously, he has a reputation for being stern and, uh, you know, having this great work ethic. But it was pointed, meaning it was during a certain time frame. Yeah. It wasn't just like he was in there 12 months of the year every day just going nuts. Well, now you see with, you know, social media being what it is, you see, you know, Devin Booker at a yeah. workout or, doing, you yeah. know, playing, you know, Five on five open gym at, at some school in in the valley, yeah, and playing with like Joe Kim Noah and a couple yeah. other pros, right? Um, and then you see you know other guys, Mo Bamba or you know all these other guys playing open gyms or working with a shooting coach. It they they stop maybe they go on a week vacation and they're immediately back in in the gym, you know, doing basketball stuff. They're not playing golf. They're not you know taking three to four weeks off and letting their bodies kind of revamp or, or whatnot but um yeah, i mean these guys it just it's and it goes down to the youth level the kids and it's playing non-stop it's playing non-stop yeah when you were a kid ronnie um you play multiple sports yeah i played um as many sports as i could uh mostly football baseball and, and basketball you know i i tried i dabbled a little bit with like tennis and golf um you know it 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 didn't really interest me that much. It was kind of at that where I lived in LA at the time. It was like, nobody played tennis. <laughs> where, was, where, was, where was the nearest yeah, golf like, course? Yeah, I mean, there was just wasn't. There was a Laundry Golf Course. There's a Compton Golf Laundry, Course. Yeah. There's well, they're well known. They've been there yeah, for a long Hart, time. But Hartwell, Hartwell, nine, yeah, part three. Course. You know, nine hole. Yeah. But it's like people weren't just being like, yeah, let's go do hey, this. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. No. So yeah, we stuck to those three main sports, obviously. But I, I, I liked them all, and uh, yeah, I did play them at various times, but I did play basketball, um, you know, as much as I could. So it's very interesting to read the story and, to, and the knowledge of what we have about this is, you know, the, the, the statistics. I never heard Devin in the mid-90s or even the late 80s when I was a little younger. 
that a player younger than 16 tore his ACL. I never heard of it. Thought it was just like, whoa, this guy tore his ACL. You know, and that's I normal never, now. Yeah, yeah it you, seems kind of normal for 16, 17-year-olds, whether it's Dennis Smith. I remember at Adidas yeah, Nations, yeah, yeah. remember he tore his ACL. Other guys who've, who've tore uh, their ACL. Uh, it was the guy, uh, Josh Morgan, at, at Sheldon. We, we yeah. were there at the... yeah. Forget you. It, it was, was at Redondo. Take, the take one flight. take flight at Redondo. Sheldon he did the last same year. thing. Yep. Kind of hurt his knee. Yeah. Um, I don't recall anybody younger than 15 I've ever heard growing up having an ACL tear. I heard of a knee injury, maybe rested in football too. You know, had a knee injury, but never like an ACL tear. Well, in football, you, uh, knee injuries are kind of expected. You get a helmet to knee contact on a yeah. on a runner. I mean, that's that's never a good outcome. No. But in basketball, it's like these non-contact injuries are on the upswing. Yeah. And a lot of what's in Baxter's story, for those who haven't read it, go do yourself a favor and go read it um, on ESPN.com. It's overuse. And you know, it's funny, there's a quote in there from Chris Powers. He's a USC professor and the director of their biokinesiology program. And he said he's seen kids 10 and 11 years old with major overuse injuries. 10 and 11 years old. Let that sink in. Yeah. And he's literally seen an 11-year-old with a torn ACL. Yeah. That's- 11 years old. Torn ACL from with a torn ACL from what plane like I, too much of one movement too much of right exactly or repetitive movement their bodies right and that's just you know that's wow a, that's crazy to and me. they're doing surgery on them and I remember reading the part of the story that stuck to my mind was that they have to be careful of like growth plates they got to be careful of things that you wouldn't even worry about in a twenty seven year old or a thirty year old <laughs> yeah my <laughs> right. like, the growth plate thing always cracks me up Ronnie because yeah. you talk to the parents or, or they whatever. think they know they're, they're like they're experts they're like, on growth oh, plates oh my my yeah. the, the doctor said his growth plates are still open it's like dude your son's five seven you're five nine he's growth not growing like, I don't care eight. how yeah. the growth plates can be open until he's thirty five years old he's only gonna he's be not so, growing yeah he's only gonna be so big he's gonna be six foot maximum like you'd be <laughs> lucky to get a six footer out of him. It's just like that, dude. That cracks me up. Well, yeah, every they, time. I mean, they're not experts in it, so they hear <laughs> right. about it. But it's like, oh, his growth plates are open, Ronnie. Yeah, yeah, we both heard that. He's, before. he's a five six two guard right now, but his growth plates are <laughs> wide open. <laughs> yeah, and it's just you know, you know, what do you get out of that? But even 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 if you're not competitive in another sport, right? Yeah. Say like your main sports as a kid growing up competitive are basketball and baseball. And you play those in the, in their respective seasons, right? When I was younger, like baseball season was the spring um and basketball season was the winter. Yeah. And in the summer, I I messed I played went over the, across the street and played tennis with my friends. Yeah. Went um and played golf, you know, played a little bit of, you know, just mess around playing football at, sure. at the local elementary school or whatever. Yeah. But I didn't but I didn't train on basketball all year round. And I think that's where the biggest difference is. And that's where we're seeing a lack of two sport athletes these days. Yeah. You look at, let's, let's go around Ronnie. We were doing this earlier before we started the podcast when we were preparing, um, go around to some of the biggest football and basketball programs in Southern California. And there's not a lot of whole, a lot of, lot of two sport guys there. Modern day. Their football guys don't play basketball. No. Their basketball guys do not play football. Not recently. And they had before they had, they had before do you have any guys who pop up in your head who, who have played both? Yeah. Uh, the quarterback from Oregon, uh, Danny O'Neill, who led him to the Rose Bowl like in the mid-1990s. Uh, mid he played on a state championship basketball team. 
and there's been a few others. Okay, um, and then we moved to Cronus and David Castleton. David Castleton. Very good player right. in both sports. But that was 20 years ago. Right, and that's, that's the same. That's when the shift happened. We're, yeah. well, that's, two, that's the early 2000s. That's exactly where Baxter's story said the shift happened was the early 2000s. We're in 2019 now, so yeah. obviously that's the 20-year mark now. Uh, Cronus Centennial, they have like 100-plus football, football kids players. on their roster, on the varsity roster. And a lot of them yeah. get scholarships. Yeah. A lot of them, yeah. That's a great football program, but none of them play basketball and not recently not recently no. uh move up to the valley calabasas football team does oaks not play christian oaks yeah. christian yeah sierra canyon sierra canyon no uh harvard westlake not so much no it's you know you look at these schools maybe some of them schools. play baseball maybe some of them play baseball we yeah. don't follow baseball that much um we both follow football high school football quite a bit so that's why we're it's football centric yeah. we're talking about that's why football. we're talking that way but like and plus they overlap right even public it's, schools yes you know, mission viejo one of the best public school football programs in the state in recent years, in yeah. In recent years. And, and for a while. And before lately, they did have football, Con- basketball. Conrad players. Ruland. Yeah. The uh, late Conrad Ruland. Late, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Max Red Redfield's Hoop. another guy who comes to mind, who are, who are grid hoop guys. Yeah. Uh, but, but nowadays, man. But not now. Not now. That was five, seven, eight years ago. So it's, it's, it's always changing. So obviously, you know, when we speak of dual sports, uh, one of the guests we're going to have on is, is Coach Frank Knight. Um, he actually still has a lot of dual sport athletes that he's coached in recent years, um, including Maxwell Anderson, LJ Anderson, Julian Eisen. A lot of his players have gotten scholarships, football scholarships, and they still play basketball. And s- sometimes that's even rare, Devin, now when you have a guy who plays football uh-huh. and then he doesn't play basketball that senior year or he tries to enroll in spring football mm-hmm. so he's not playing basketball. Right. You know, Drake London, we mentioned him. That's kind of an exception. Jackson Turner, kind of the exception. Yeah, Jackson they Turner. Finished out, they finished out. Some of those guys, especially if they're quarterbacks, they're going to leave after December. Right. You know, they're not staying for that senior year of basketball. Um, so that changes their the parago- paradigm for that as well. But yeah. You know, so it's it's very interesting how that works out. Yeah, we have we have Coach Frank Knight on the line from Moral Catholic. Coach, we're kind of just talking about the decrease in you know dual sport athletes these days um, because of you know specialization and guys picking one sport or another at another um, at a young age. Um, how, how do you kind of manage the dual sport athlete? Because we know you've had a lot and you welcome those kind of guys. How do you manage um, you know the transition from bringing them from football to basketball? It's, it's really tough, really. I mean, because uh, yeah. most of the kids that we get um, are fresh out of AAU basketball, uh, and they played, you know, pretty much their whole time since the fourth grade in AAU basketball. Um, and very seldomly do we get the the multi sport athlete, um, but we love to get them. So we're we're, you know, we're we're always trying to make sure. Um, that our football and our basketball program are kind of on the same page mm-hmm. with, you know, trying to get as many athletes as possible in the doors. Now, Coach, yeah, that leads into the next question. How do you work with the football coach to encourage athletes to play multiple sports to get the participation numbers up? How do you guys manage that? Well, um, I've, I've been, this is my 10th year being here in Monroe. When I was here, Coach Cotter was the head coach, football coach. And um, when we were trying to attract kids to come to Moreau, uh, we started to run into like a little roadblock of kids either saying, no, I didn't want to come there because they didn't have a good football team or I'm a football guy. They didn't have a good enough basketball team. Um, So we kind of just try to put our heads together and say, let's just try to get the best athletes we can get and then let them kind of decide what they want to do by their junior or senior year. 
Um, so usually, um, uh, Coach Cottrell is our coach now. He's our, also our freshman PE teacher, boys only. So he gets every boy who comes into the school in his PE class. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does a really good job of just trying to say, hey, come out and try some ball. You may not like it, you know, just come out and try. And they end up out there. And the crazy thing is, is a lot of kids who come in and think they're basketball players end up leaving here with football scholarships. Interesting. Um, just because of the body type and mm-hmm. the structure and the size and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of harkens back to the parents and travel coaches and things like that, people close to the kids. Is it, um, you know, are, are they afraid if their kid plays two sports that they might lose time or lose an edge in one sport over the other? Is, do you have to deal with that at all? Or, or is it just like, you know, I focus on basketball my whole life. That's what I'm playing. I mean, definitely. I mean, the truth of the matter is, and I, and I hate to say it on this, on this podcast, <laughs> though, but the truth of the matter Give is, us the truth. is if you're, you know, if you're splitting time between A and B, right. All the time you spend on A is less time you could be spending on B. I mean, that's just factual. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the football players and I who play basketball realize that the time they're on the football field, um, they could be getting better at basketball and then vice versa. Um, but that being said, when you read the article that was on ESPN about the injuries, it scares you to death. You know, I have a son who's a sophomore who plays basketball year round. Right. Uh, after I read the article, I texted his mom and like, <laughs> "We got to play this swimming or something." I mean, this, like, this is crazy, you know, because I don't yeah. want him to get injured. You sure. know, doing something he spends a lot of time on, but um, that specialization uh, it's good and it's bad. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, you want the kids to get better, and the only way you get better is to practice. Mm-hmm. And but you also have to give them some time off too. And I'm I'm trying to learn that as a head coach also. Coach, you 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 played at Fremont High School, and you said and you got that experience. You played at St. Mary's. Now, how do speaking of what you just said, how do you manage your time? And is the overall length of your practices different than when you paid for Coach Williams? Are you cognizant of like injury prevention, or is this something kind of new to you? You know what? What do you? What did you learn growing up, and what do you practice and preach now? Coach Clint Williams at Fremont was crazy. That was number <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, but it was a different time. It was old school. You yeah. know, we're just gonna run you forever, kind of thing. And um, and, and when I first started coaching, that's how I coached. And um, as I got older and realized that it's a marathon and not a sprint and the kids will get beat up over the year, we really, especially in the league, in the second half of the league, we start dialing back practices. And I learned that from Ernie Kent at St. Mary's. Mm -hmm. Um, We would have two-hour practices at the beginning of the year, and as the year went, I mean, our practices would shrink to 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be a lot of shooting and then preparation, but just staying off your legs so you're not beating kids up and, and wearing tear. The worst thing ever for a coach is to, you know, be going really, really hard before a playoff game or something, and a kid gets hurt. I mean, that's the worst possible thing. Um, so I'm more cognizant of it now, but I'm sure the young coaches who are just in the game, they're trying to win, and they, they've learned a way of beat, beat you, beat you, beat you, beat you. Um, but I think as you get older, and you start to realize that that long term, that, that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Coach, uh, with guys like Maxwell or Julian Eisen, do you kind of ever sense that they might say, ah, oh, coach, I'm good, like that they may just be worn down? Or do they're pretty tough? Obviously, they got to be tough to play both sports. Or do you kind of uh, – do you, are you cognizant of, of maybe their bodies more than the guys who just play basketball only? 
Oh, yeah, we know that when the football guys come, it's going to take them three weeks to get to basketball, yeah. to get to basketball speed. But the thing is, they come in so aggressive. We love it because they come in so aggressive. I mean, they come in and they're playing hard yeah. and they're moving people around. So it's really like a jolt to the basketball guys who have been kind of like not playing soft but not playing as aggressive. Then the football guys come out and start throwing them around and <laughs> practice level definitely goes up. Um, but guys like Maxwell and and, and um, Fresh and, and and Buddha and all those guys who who played both sports, um, we know it's going to take them a little while to get ready. Uh, but the thing is, they're competitors usually. The football guys come off that football field competitors. Right. Yeah. And we kind of dial it back on them a little bit. I mean, we don't expect them to make the times on the lines and on your running and stuff. Um, because they've been standing around with pads and not really running for the last two or three, <laughs> two or three months. Right. Um, so we kind of, we, we're making sure we're cognizant of it, but those guys are just great athletes. Right. Sure. And, um, the thing like Buddha, Buddha came in as a basketball player and now he's at, you know, Northern Colorado as a football player, starting running back, you know, I mean, and we can go on and on and on about that. Richard Hampton was the same way. He came in as a basketball player. He's in Texas Southern playing football right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fresh came in as a basketball player, and he's one of the top running backs in, in Northern California. So um, sometimes they realize that that 6'1", 6'2", 215 frame is actually better for football than it is for basketball. And the football coaches usually love that they play <laughs> basketball as their second sport. Right. You mentioned like the, the overall athlete. I think that's kind of skewed nowadays. A lot of people see guys, whether it's on the basketball court, who can you know run and jump and you know dunk on guys. They're like, that's an athlete. But – it's changed over the years from guys like Deion Sanders or you know Bo Jackson, guys who can play multiple sports at a high level. Those are those are the real athletes. You throw some of these kids nowadays, you know, who specialize in basketball. You throw them on the on the baseball field, and they couldn't hit you know a, a sixty mile per hour fastball. It, do you see that kind of changing? And what's the difference nowadays? Yeah, well, nowadays uh, anybody who can jump and run fast is considered an athlete for the most part. Yeah. Um, but back then it was skills with those with that athleticism. Um, like L.J. Anderson, I mean, to me, and Maxwell Anderson, and even and even and even Buddha, uh, not fresh yet, but Buddha, the first the first brother, they were great athletes. Mm-hmm. Like they would come on the floor, and our coaches would be like, they don't know the plays, and the coaches like, it don't matter if they know the plays or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even if they're in the wrong area to rotate, they're such good athletes that they could make up for it. Now that's good and bad. You know, so sometimes they don't want to really focus on, you know, learning the rotations or being in the right spot. But um, that just that definition of an athlete has changed definitely over 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 time. Those guys, I would say, are old school athletes. So if you put Buddha and you gave him a baseball glove and put him in second base, he would get it done. Yeah, he may not be really, really good, um, but he would get it done and he would probably bat pretty good. And if he got on base, he would steal bases. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just one of those kind of athletes. Gotcha. Uh, Coach. You've been following this for a long time. You know, you've been out of out of high school basketball for 25 years now, and, and you played college. Where did parents and, and I guess, youth coaches and, and high school coaches develop this notion that specialization helps increase scholarship chances? Is that just, like, a common and reasonable conclusion, or is it just because there's increased competition for a scholarship, or do you think something else triggered it? I, I think it's a little bit of all those things happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, parents with money now think that they can, you know, purchase um, or basically 
put their kid in a position to be able to get a scholarship. Yeah. That never happened when we were coming up, ever. You know, it didn't matter how much money your parents had, you know, you were going to have to play. Um, so I think that, um, along with all of the different opportunities to play with all the AAU programs and teams that are popping up with all the trainers, mm-hmm. um, guys who really have never even trained before are training, and then you throw that on top of, just a recruiting cycle that's terrible in in, in, in high school basketball. Um, you're gonna get kids playing all year round. I mean, I mean now you have kids who are making announcements about what AAU team they're gonna play for. And or high schools are two, transferring two or three. to. Or high schools are transferring to. Or yeah, high schools and they're making <laughs> videos about the high schools they're transferring to too. And so it's a little different. And, and I, I don't want to sound old school because I know you know the video and YouTube and stuff and Instagram is this generation. I'm trying to I'm trying to stay with them, um, but it's just a little bit different um, in terms of the expectations um, from the parents' point of view. Yeah. Like my my dad would never have called a coach. Like what? I mean, if I talk, he would laugh at me. Like <laughs> that's your problem. Like you need to figure that out though. You know, and it's just, you know, the access, and it's just different, you know. So I think every coach kind of understands that you're going to be dealing with um, parents who think all of their kids are going to get, even if you tell them only 1% are going to make it, um, you got a bunch of parents who think that, you know, with time and putting in extra time and doing things, will will put them in a better position and get a scholarship. Mm -hmm. Um, Coach, you just kind of made a joking statement about your own son and and his mother and whatnot. Hey, he needs to... Maybe take some rest. You know, this three-year study that they did on youth kids in Chicago, it, it, it revealed that specialized athletes were at 125% higher risk of developing serious overuse injuries. Now, do you think even if, if parents and coaches un- knew that and understood that they would stop what they're doing? No. Yeah, I guess straight up <laughs> that's, no. That's the worst part about it all, right? Yeah. Absolutely not. I mean, because, I mean, yeah, no, because it's a cost-benefit analysis at the end of the day. You know what I mean? If your kid is lucky enough to not, um, you know, not get injuries and you put him in a position where he can have a, a greater chance at, uh, at getting a scholarship. And I read that article, a lot of the guys get to the NBA and get hurt. Yeah. And I've actually heard or I've heard AAU coaches say, hey, you know, if you don't get hurt, at least you want to get paid while you're getting hurt, which is a very <laughs> interesting argument. Though. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the, the whole argument about why would you even go to college and play too kind of thing, you know? And when and when Zion got hurt, that was one of the worst things anybody has seen, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he had the ability to play in the NBA, and we all knew it, you know? And we thought that injury could end his career, you know? Um, but if the goal is to get to the NBA, I think nothing is going to change with the parents. They're going to try to put their kids in the best position uh, to be able to achieve that, regardless to the wear and tear, uh, everybody's body is going to break down. I think some parents are just like, "We're going to take that chance." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Coach, have you ever thought about some of the things we we mean you've discussed before? And and I've heard other people say it too. You know, Tyson Chandler comes to mind. You know, I spoke to him one time at a USA basketball event, and he goes, "Man, I, I'm not trying to jump like that anymore." You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm managing my, my, how I move my body, h- how much I jump, you know, when I'm not going for a rebound, just in practice and stuff. Do you ever, have you ever, know, have you ever thought that we may not be seeing like the best NBA athletes possible and that the, they're at their peak earlier? Has that ever, oh, for sure. 
for sure. Yeah. I've seen. I mean, you know, and, and people ask me why I don't. Why I don't. I'm not really. I don't really watch regular season NBA. Okay. Yeah. If I do, it's like the last four minutes mm-hmm. because I know a lot of the guys. There, a yeah. lot of guys are my friends. They don't even play hard until like the fourth or five yeah. minute mark, though. In a game that they think matters, though, yeah. because of so many games and injuries and, and and all those things, like I feel really bad for Boogie. I mean, it's like your career is over. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard for you to come back from those types of injuries and stuff like that. So, and Tyson Chandler was one of the best athletes I'd ever seen play. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a freak. That was ridiculous. Yeah. And you know, if, if you're if the way you feed your kids and the way you take care of your house is is playing a sport, of course, you're going to try to monitor, you know, how many jumps. I was talking to our um, trainer earlier today in preparation for this, and he was like, you really see it in Tommy John injuries on the baseball field. Yeah, yeah. And he said that they have kind of come up with a formula of how many pitches the average person can throw. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's, no, there's nothing to... equivalent in basketball. We've seen pitch limits at, in Little League World Series. Like, we don't see shot limits. You know yeah. what I mean? No, we don't see <laughs> shot or jump limits. <laughs> or jump limits. Or, yeah. you know, or jump limits. So, um, you know, in the science, as the analytics get to catch up with the game and stuff, you're going to start to see probably some more prevention methods. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was saying on the baseball field, you'll see parents – you know, they'll take their kids off of pitching for like years at a time. Yeah. Let them play third base or center field or something just to maximize the amount of pitches they'll have during college. I mean, that's just crazy. It I mean, crazy. you know, to think about it in that way. Well, maybe maybe we can get uh, parents to limit the kids' dribbles. <laughs> we, you know, we can stop we can stop seeing kids pound the ball over the court. <laughs> please, please limit the dribbles. I, I'd be for that. Um, yeah. I'm all for dribble limits. Coach Frank Knight, thank you so much for joining us, man. You brought some some good uh, stuff at the you know the youth level and kind of parents to to this topic. Appreciate you, man. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, coach. So yeah, I mean, he's he's he deals with it all. He yeah. deals with guys coming from football to basketball. Going from basketball to football, football parents yeah. coming in as you know, kids coming in as specifically basketball players. basketball players, ending up being specifically football players. Yeah, and that makes sense because as as I've done the Cal High Grid Hoop teams over the years. Yeah, you you've done them how many years now? We've done it thirty years now. Okay, you know, and I've done it how Mark tennis for the last twenty years or so, and ninety percent of those guys think they're going to make the NBA. Okay, and of the guys who make it, they all are almost all. Football, football players. players and a few baseball players, like a a, a Mike Stanton, okay, or the Gian, Giancarlo for yeah. the younger guys. Yeah, you know they all they all make it in other sports, right? Meaning you know non basketball. So yes, yeah, so we have we have the um, the writer of the prolific story, Baxter Holmes, on the line. Baxter, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thanks for joining. Or, well, thanks for having me. And uh, uh, apologize for any ambient noise. I'm in. Kind of in transit in downtown Los Angeles. Oh no worries, but man. anyways, we've got a we've got a, a janky setup here, so uh, I'll I'll be able to get that out. But uh, let's start with kind of the main point of of this story is you know uh, what I took was players are broken down by the time they're entering college. I mean, not even entering pros or you know being five year pros. Um, you've done a lot of reporting on this. I think it was like two years plus. Um, you know, what are some of the things that that stood out to you most during the your time reporting? Yeah, well, so you have a, a culture of, of um, kind of perpetual competition, starting as young as seven years old, kids specializing in a single sport, it's kind of the pounding on the same joints and muscles and tendons on bodies that really aren't even that developed. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ultimate toll of it is, is you have a lot of kids just kind of breaking down at younger and younger ages. And we look back at 
different generations that played different sports during the year or maybe, you know, didn't, and didn't specialize uh, to the degree that's happening now of kids just, it's not only just playing the same sport, but it's playing it year round. Uh, so we're seeing the toll, and as Adam Silver said, and as others in the NBA have said, we're seeing a lot more injuries to younger NBA players that we used to see in players that were much older. So it's a it's a significant problem, uh, especially in youth basketball, which is the largest uh, or the most popular youth team sport in America. Mm-hmm. More than 10 million boys and girls ages six to 17 who are playing it. I uh, so yeah, it was a it was a long project that I worked on. Very troubling problem that's affecting basketball at every level. Yep. Uh, Baxter, what prompted you to do this story in the first place? Was it a personal issue you saw or something you saw, or was it something you felt needed to be addressed to the public? Well, in the 2014-15 season, early on in that season, um, eight of the top 11 draft picks suffered major injuries. And at that time, um, the head strength and conditioning coach of the Lakers, I remember we were talking one day, and he said, you know, it's not a fluke. A lot of these kids have major issues before they, they even get to the NBA. Um, and that's the thing about injuries is so often we look at them and say, oh, injuries are part of the game, injuries happen, nothing we can do, et cetera, et cetera. And I had people then, not only with him, but others who were saying, uh, this isn't a fluke, it's not luck, it, there's something that's happening here, something that's really wrong. And so that started it, uh, honestly, the, the kind of trying to understand the issue and poke around and, and yeah, at the heart of it. And yeah, it was about two years of reporting um, in a lot of different cities, talking to a lot of different people to really try to understand the full scope of it. Yeah, and we're seeing, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, for example, he's had another knee injury recently. Um, another guy whose, whose career is probably going to be cut short because of this. Um, what, is the, what is the NBA in the process of doing, if, you, if you're privy to this information, in the process of doing to kind of um, you know, remedy this. I know a lot of the star players, uh, you know, take second nights of back-to-backs off or load management is kind of the, a new, you know, key term in the NBA nowadays. What else are you seeing that, that the NBA is trying to do to, to remedy this? Well, they're trying to get involved more at the youth level in okay. terms of, of catching this thing before it, it be, you know, it's too far down the road. You can't take some of the miles off these kids, mm-hmm. you know, later on in life. So you really have to attack the problem at a younger age. So, they instituted some guidelines, recommendations for uh, uh, kids, basically, as, you know, depending on the age of how much basketball they recommend per day, per week, so on and so forth. But the hard thing is, is there's no way to really enforce it. And youth basketball is a very fragmented landscape. There's a lot of um, different bodies. Nobody really has jurisdiction over everything. Uh, even AAU really only makes up a small slice of the overall youth team basketball that's played in America. So the NBA recognizes full well that this is a serious issue. They also recognize that one of the hardest sells is trying to tell a parent or even a young player that less is more, that you don't mm-hmm. need to kind of you know burn yourself out in the pursuit of trying to make the NBA because a lot of people just think that every minute they spend – not working out, not playing games is a minute that somebody else is. And, uh, again, that's where that culture of competitive competition comes in. And, and uh, a lot of kids are, you know, like I said, they're burning themselves out long before they ever even get to make it to wherever they hope to, to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that fragmentation, Baxter, um, will those participation guidelines, it's funny because they're coming from a profit-driven 
organizations, whether we believe it or not. The NBA, NCAA are profit-driven. So a youth coach is going to say, wait a minute, you know, you can capitalize on that. Why can I capitalize by having a tournament? Or why can I capitalize by traveling with my team? Do you ever think it'll ever mean anything significantly to these youth coaches, these guidelines? I mean, not, to be honest with you, I, I don't see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't right. see it with youth coaches. I don't see it with parents. Um, the problem is too big. It's too pervasive. The culture is too ingrained. There's slogans like basketball never stops. Ball is life. Kids believe. <laughs> yeah. 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 They just kids believe that in order to get to the NBA, you have to play nonstop. Right. And turning around that belief, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what. What it would take. To be right. honest with you. Right. Yeah, and I say that back because I, I, as my own personal experience, at, and I'm sure Devin is the same way. I, it would be hard for somebody, an adult especially, to tell me at 12 years old, you know, don't play ball. Right. Just, don't, to just yeah, right. stop playing for a week or two. It just, it, I don't know if it would register. I mean, the... Yeah, and, and to that point, sorry to cut you off, but to no, that point, good. one of the things that's going to... It's also hard is, is you can tell a parent, um, you know, a kid needs time off or he needs to play other sports or whatnot. But again, they're going to think that any time doing that is... is an opportunity they're missing. Every tournament they don't attend is an opportunity for exposure they're missing out on. Right. An opportunity to play against better competition and maybe get a little bit better or whatever. The thing I would emphasize to people is that nobody becomes great at something overnight. Everything takes time. It's always a process. And I think there's a great rush right now, not just in basketball, but in anything for a lot of our youth to become amazing and world-class at something immediately mm -hmm. and to, to be that far ahead and there has to be a balance you know with everything but i think especially with that just because of the age of some of these kids their bodies are not developed enough to withstand to withstand the workload that's being placed upon, upon them yeah so to speak. yeah one of the most striking things to me that you, that you wrote was uh, chris powers who's a usc professor and director of the biokinesiology program said that He's seen kids 10 and 11 years old with overuse injuries and even some with torn ACLs. At, at 11 years old, that's mind-boggling. Yeah, I, I actually uh, watched a 9-year-old boy have ACL surgery for this story, which was, you know, terrible. It's yeah. as terrible as it sounds. And uh, uh, But the particular orthopedic surgeon that was uh, conducting the surgery, you know, he, did, he does these kinds of things all the time. He said there was a point in time a few years ago when this – was really unusual or weird or random or not that common, but that's not the case anymore. So, um, yeah, they, you know, it's, it's really, it's really sad. And, and the other thing I would say too, is there's the physical burnout, but there's also the mental burnout mm -hmm. because some of these, uh, one of the sentences that really stayed with me was from a youth basketball coach who was kind of describing the current landscape. And he said, it's as if we're sentencing these kids to basketball prison. You know, we're, we're, you're forcing them to play so much every single day and whatnot. And they may have loved the game at some point, but you're kind of, you know, where it's, you're almost wearing it out of them mm -hmm. just, uh, in a way. Yep. We've seen plenty of that. Um, you know, the doctors at P3, they, they told you or whatnot in your research that they hear more and more NBA players and, and high level players say, you know what? I was jumping the best. I felt the best my senior year of high school. I've kind of seen that before. I don't know how prevalent it is. Do you think that, in essence, the NBA is not even the best product it could be because of this pervasive 
you know, youth basketball machine? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, and I think it's not as good as it could be for a number of reasons, but this is a big one. You know, if you have players who are peaking, and I've had a number of specialists say this, that some of these guys are peaking athletically in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had people in the NBA say this. Like, you don't want that. You want them peaking at, like, 27, 28. Right. And not peaking athletically in their late teens, early 20s. That's a problem. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you could make an easy argument. I don't even really think it's an argument, quite honestly, that – the NBA is not nearly as good as it could be potentially, and we. The thing is, is we don't even know how bad it really is. Like we don't, because we don't know what it could look like. But we know what we're seeing, and that's a lot of guys wearing street clothes, and uh, uh, you know during games because they're injured. Yep, Baxter Holmes, thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks for shining the light on this important issue. Hey, well, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Have a good day, thank man. you, Baxter. All right, thank you. Yeah I, mean, yeah, I mean, he said it point blank. Right. He doesn't, and Frank brought it up earlier, he doesn't see that stopping. Like, even if they had the information in front of them, right now he's just saying it's too ingrained in the culture. It's too ingrained of people wanting to make it, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, make it some way. Parents yeah. have wanting their kids to make it, kids wanting, wanting to make it, it or, or um, event operators wanting, wanting to make money. money. Yeah, it's, it's the... the uh, this machine that we have going is very strong. It's been building for 20, 25 years. Like we mentioned, it might have been started really going with Kevin Garnett, going from high school to the pros. And really, maybe besides LeBron James, there hasn't been a player as good as him since. <laughs> so it's yeah. like it's a one in a – he's an NBA MVP just as LeBron is. It's, it's a one in a million shot. He was that good. But it, it just changed everything. And it looks like it's we're going back to that, which may be a good thing because maybe – we're going back to maybe the prep or pros because the guys that really could make it, they're not losing mileage and losing years, not getting paid and losing money. Yeah. Right. Not getting paid, losing you know? two years of not getting paid and yeah. then, you know, blowing their knee out. Yeah. Uh, you know, tearing their ACL, you know, any kind of overuse injury. They're, they're maximizing their time as, as athletes. And it kind of brings you into the, the current state of the NFL and a lot of guys holding out, especially at the running back position. A lot of yeah. the guys are holding out. Ezekiel Elliott right now yeah. is holding out, uh, Melvin Gordon from the Chargers is holding out for more money. Yeah. And in football, like, that makes sense to me because you need the running the... back position is, like, five years. Yeah. 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 Your NFL that. career is four years. You need to get money as quickly as you can. Obviously, everybody knows, you know, Brett Favre's, Tom Brady's, but those are the outliers. Most NFL careers are three to four years. You know, the guys get injured, they finish, and that's it. They, they're into something else. And many of them have very difficult transitions. I We know... We know basketball players sometimes have difficult financial transitions, but NFL players just have difficult transitions, period. Oh, it's yeah. Just going from the, the crashing, the, the small train wrecks they get in every Sunday to right. something else. It's just... It's impossible. Tax, it's taxing. It's you know? mentally taxing. It's just mentally taxing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all very interesting how it comes. I, you know, so what are your point? We have R.J. Hampton. We have Mellow Ball. We have these guys that are not going to college, and it's more and more happening more and more. And we're saying, good, let them maximize on their earning potential. Sure. But I, I was speaking, let me speak on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. I was speaking at a McDonald's game to Antonio Davis, who played for the Pacers, yep. and he played for maybe, I think the most of the Pacers. Yeah. Right? And Antonio, we're kind of talking old school, kind of like Frank Knight well, says. he's an old school uh, yeah, guy. Yeah. Yep. Antonio is from Oakland as well. He went to McClyman's High School with, with Gary Payton. And... um 
we were talking on the bus. We were talking, and and I said, I don't like to see a kids league. I don't want to see a bunch of nineteen year old guys running around like you had a few years ago with the Timberwolves, like with Levine and Wiggins. Yeah. I, I want to see men <laughs> grappling and and pounding each other on the board. He goes, Yeah, that's he says, Ryan. When we played, we were they were men. Yeah, I don't see. Like men right now in some of these and teams, I feel like it's it's a younger league, it's a youth league, it's athleticism, jumping. He's all that wasn't was it about when he was in the series, you know, battling with the Knicks and the Pacers and the Knicks. It was it, just a totally different feel. Yeah, and it seems like a, that, yeah. that that is mainly because a lot of the kids don't pick up weights; they're not yeah. lifting weights. Yeah, and and we have Drew Morcos on the line. He's the uh, founder of Moda Specialist, uh, a clinical rehabilitation practice for professional and youth athletes. I mean, Drew, thanks for joining the show, man. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. No problem. And you've you've trained and helped rehabilitate athletes from professional basketball to professional soccer to professional volleyball, uh, all the way to the WWE. Um, and this this topic today is kind of specialization and why we're seeing you know these high level athletes have injuries so early in their careers. What are some of the things you're seeing that might lead to this phenomena, kind of? Well, there's a few things. I mean, that's that's. Uh... That's kind of one of the great questions out there right now. I think one of the key things that we're seeing is that younger kids are playing one sport for a very long time until they can figure out, obviously they want to become a perfectionist at that sport, but what's happening is the, the body has this muscle memory phenomenon where if you keep playing the same sport and doing the same kind of cuts, the same kind of movements, you're not going to train your body to do something else. So when they get into these awkward positions or a position where they're not used to, where they would probably get in soccer or mm-hmm. football or ultimate Frisbee, if you will, <laughs> yeah, sure. they, they, they will get, they'll most likely get injured because they're playing one sport for so long, for so many years that their body can adapt and change. And so they, their body becomes structured to those movement patterns that are specific to basketball let's say Mm -hmm. and acl being one of the biggest injuries in the game um an acl tear is something that we see on a regular basis and what we rehabilitate all the time but the idea is is you know try not to rehabilitate and after the injury everyone's acting very proactively and i mean reactively what we want to do is act proactively like, what can we do to prevent the ACL injuries from happening? And and one of the key things that I tell parents at the younger age is let the kids play, you know, multiple sports. Usually kids tend to get into their sport more proficiently around seventh and eighth grade. And that's kind of what the, so, that's what the research is showing. Um, so they want, you know, you can become a, you can specialize. What they're saying is if you're going to specialize, you start specializing in the seventh and eighth grade and then as they get young as they're younger you know you want them to kind of experience all these sports and all the different dynamics of of the different movement patterns that are needed right and you know ronnie and i deal with a lot of you know youth and club level high school level basketball and their parents what do you how do you guide a parent who isn't taking that your advice to play multiple sports until seventh or eighth grade what do you advise them to do to be proactive about defending against injuries well, you want to see a, like a movement specialist, whether okay. it's a physical therapist or some type of trainer that can really work on their movement patterns that are more specific to everyday sports. You know, obviously, 
there's drills that are done in basketball, um, but there's also drills that you can do with a trainer that is multi-directional. Um, a funny, a funny thing that I do bring up to parents is actually I give them the statistics of ACL injuries, ankle sprains, and what that realistically means because most of these kids are in club sports, right? So their parents are spending a certain amount of money per month for their kids to play and to perform. And when their kid is out with an injury, there's there's a time where they're you know not going to be playing with time that they're missing out with their club team, with their teammates, with their coaches. And all of that's all of that is money. Time is money, mm-hmm. and there's and they're not. The parents aren't going to stop paying their monthly payment because they're an injury. But what happens is is that that money keeps piling up. And I think when people realize that, okay, if my kid has surgery, this is a big deal, and this is going to be something that's going to be life changing. So you know, a, a motto that a lot of parents always come to us with is, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which is. Yeah. Which is something we hear all the time, right? You guys right. hear all the time. And my response to that is if it's not broken, then let's make it better. Right. Yeah. Right? Because every kid needs more mobility, more strength, better movement, better biomechanics. And if their kid didn't need any of that, then they would be, you know, all stars. They would be in the NBA when they're able to. But that's not what we see on a regular basis. Right. So but what we see is kids that constantly need some type of assistance, some type of help that can make them better better athletes, better, you know, basketball players, if you will, or any kind of sport. And and I think that's kind of something that we're really trying to push. What I tell parents, what I give them the advice for is really is really kind of that mentality, that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew, do you think, like you said, do you think this whole industry, youth sports industry, basically, like you said, is financially driven and not developmental driven? Exactly, man. I mean, think about it. When you, when you, um, when someone goes and, and their parents start saying, "Let me, let me put my kids in basketball," or "I want to get my kids in sport," what, what do you think they do first? Is they put them right into the sport, right? Right. Yes. If, if you think of a water polo player, what do the parents put their kids into before putting them into water polo? They don't do anything. They chuck them into the pool. Here's a in ball. The pool. Here, here's a ball and throw it. Throw it to the net. <laughs> Right. Or, you know, or they put them in swimming. Sure. Because yeah. you have to swim to play water polo. Right. Sure. Right? You play soccer, shouldn't you learn to run? Shouldn't you learn? If you're playing basketball, let's learn, Let's work on your running mechanics. Let's work on how you're jumping and landing. And then here's a basketball. I think that I think it's the reverse, right? Yeah. It's like here's a basketball. You've never ran before. You've never, you've never done any kind of physical activity that's outside of a playground. Now, here's a ball, and now, with all these other variables going on, go and try and, and, and shoot, a, uh, shoot a basketball into a hoop with other kids trying to, trying to guard you. Give, give me well, a George Gervin finger roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> why, don't we, why don't we work on, like, running, cutting? Right. Let's work on all this. I mean, I'm a dad. I, my kid is eight years old. My, my first kid is eight years old. So what we're doing right now is just in the backyard, just working on different running drills, cutting. How do you plan on your right foot to then go to your left foot, even without a ball? And I think, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's financially driven, but I feel like every parent thinks that their kid is going to be the next LeBron James. Right. And when, when you look at the statistics that are going to NCAA, 
I mean, out of all the kids that play, I think it's one 1.3% get a college scholarship. And then from that one, and then from those college kids, there's only a handful that can make it to the NBA. And I'm not trying to like say that, you know, I'm not going to even push my kid to, to try to play and be in the NBA, but you know, we got to be realistic. Let's, let's take our kids health and, and, you know, like whole life into perspective here and see, okay, well, if we want our kid to make it to the next level, let's give them a good foundation rather than like, here's a ball at, you know, age five and, and go ahead and start playing and hopefully you're good. Kind of thing. <laughs> right. And I think what you're, what I'm grabbing from what you're saying is if a parent is to the point where it's like, okay, there's no bringing this guy back, this, this woman back, we are going to, they're going to play basketball only. There's a sport within a sport, right? Like you can train, for a dual, like a dual sport athlete, but only play basketball. It's just you've got to train the right muscles, train the right movements. Am I hearing you correctly? Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Is like, yeah, they can be your goal. Could at the end of at the end of everything, your goal is basketball, which hundred percent I, I agree with. But let them dive into these other sports. Not so much that they're gonna like something else, but so that they can get those movement patterns fixated. So when that position has to come up in basketball right in a game isn't the first time that they're doing it they've right. done it in soccer practice they've done it in baseball you know rounding a base because the brain is very elastic when we're very young so it, it adjusts to a lot of different things that's why when we get older like us it's it's harder for us to do those moves that we did when we were 20 years old yeah you know Trust it's me, because I know. <laughs> no i don't too you know <laughs> I'm, I'm much slower than we used to be. Yep. And and I think what, what, what parents need to also understand is that right now is the age where they can do anything. They can go and they can fall down. They can get hurt and they'll get right back up a lot, a lot faster than we would. And so I think the brain needs to understand that, okay, if, if I do this the first time in a competitive game where it's like high intensity, a lot of variables around me, Typically, what happens is injuries will occur. Mm -hmm. But if we've done it before, we've trained it, you, you guys work on it on the skill side. They have a trainer that does it all the time where they're kind of putting them in awkward positions. Then the brain realizes, okay, this is, I know what to do when we get into this position. So like one of the things we do in, 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 in physical therapy is we stand on uneven balance stuff like equipment, okay. like BOSU balls, different things like that, because one of the common injuries on the, on the men's side is an ankle sprain, right? And so the brain, once it starts realizing that the ankle is turning in, the brain realizes that, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I need to correct this right away. But it's not going to know that if it's never done it on, like, those unstable surfaces. And so we train that a lot. We train, you know, just dribbling on a, on a WAF studio little, little plastic thing or a mm -hmm. BOSU ball or an AirX pad whatever we want to do, and then we land on it. We jump and we land on it. We jump off of it. Because the more you can train the brain into like, okay, this is going to be un uneven, then when it real time happens and you happen to kind of slowly step up someone's ankle, your body knows how to react a little bit faster to that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Drew, thanks so much for joining us, man. Um, Drew Morcos, the Orange County-based founder of uh, Moda Specialists. If you need you know, proactive, uh, preventative rehabilitation uh, in the Orange County area. Hit this guy up. He knows what he's doing. Drew, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Drew. He brings up good points about, like, you know, you 
even if you're going to specialize in basketball, there's ways to train yourself to be able to handle those awkward positions without having a basketball in your hands. Correct. And that's right? kind of what Frank Knight mentioned, yeah. too. Almost all the basketball players we've come across, except Drake and, and Jackson, need yeah. to be tougher. Sure. So you go train with the f- a football team. You don't have to play on the team. You don't go have to train play. with them. Just go move with them. Yeah. Go see what they do. I think that's interesting. Yeah. You I, know? Think so. I think I'm going to start a, a training uh, company, Ronnie, and yeah. we're going to be on the basketball court, but we're going to be doing football stuff. We're going to be cutting. We're, we're yeah. going to have a quarterback there, and we're going to be throwing passes. Yeah. We're going to play baseball. We're going to play badminton. I think the, I do think the sport <laughs> is always – people do things in basketball because they always do it in basketball. And I think I've said to you this before, Devin. How come on an out-of-bounds play, you have a guy that maybe has a football background? Okay. Why don't, the, why don't you have the guys line up and run patterns to get open? And throw that, chuck that basketball straight, and boom, he catches it, puts it on the floor, and gets a good look. I've always thought about that. Okay. Why doesn't four guys run receiver patterns, just like you would on a football field, and, 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 and a baseline out-of-bounds play to go yeah, full court? to go full court and get open. I mean, and they're running because they, they know how to move. Here's, here's why. Here's you know why. Because, because your quarterback yeah. on the football team is yeah. not taking the ball out. Yeah. Yeah. During that time, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's your full, it's your undersized four who <laughs> throws a dumb pass. That's another thing. I see. Or it's, yeah, your, guys, or it's yeah. your point guard yeah. who's never thrown a football in his life. That's what we're getting at. Why don't you, you know, we? It's in other words, the point of basketball is <laughs> we always do the same things over because we do it over and over. Right. It's a copycat sport. Yeah. If it works for an NBA team, we're gonna do it. Sure. You know, and we've talked about that before. Another one that I think is funny is I've mentioned to you before because we've been at CIF games, playoff games where. Um, there's a girls game mm-hmm. and they're running an Iverson cut or those out of bounds plays. And I'm looking at them like this game's over. No way they're going to be able to make it. Why? Because the girl gets the ball 70 feet from the basket and she's supposed to get a good shot in four seconds on the other side of the court. Right. She's not athletic. She's not going to get there. Right. And what and happens? A lot of boys aren't fast enough yeah. to get that. And what happen. happens? The buzzer goes off and she's at half court and she's upset and she's Mad because her team didn't get a good shot. And we're like thinking, me and you are thinking, we knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because, again, people do, they repeat. They it's keep the same doing, thing over and over. They keep doing the same thing you over to, and over You go to over. high school basketball practice, any yeah. high school yeah. basketball, any school, you're running the same sets. You're running the same sets. Just, There's nothing yeah. different. You're, you're taking sets from other teams you've seen that you liked from college, the NBA. And you're implementing those exact sets, and you just run them over and over and over and drill them into people's heads. You drill them into people's heads. I played yeah. high school basketball. We ran one motion set. It was called five, and it yeah. was the exact same thing. It was just like a wheel route. Yeah. Reverse side of the ball, reverse side of the ball, wheel route, wheel yeah. route, and back cuts. And it was the same thing over and over and over. We had other yeah. sets, too, but for the most part, we ran that. That set, yeah. That set, because we are a bunch of undersized white dudes who could shoot it and back cut you and get, You want to get an open look, right. and you can move well. Right. Same thing with us. We did like what we call Iowa. We just screened the down guy. Okay. He'd come up, you know, start the start the start invert basically. Start the the big man high. Yeah. Go screen down. Right. The guards get the ball. That's, that's <laughs> real OG stuff. You're dating yourself with that. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> get the guard and then maybe set a ball screen or whatever. Yeah. 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 And then you go into a pick and roll or the guard makes a move. So yeah. again, we're just talking about different things we've seen in experience. Um, again, I would encourage people to um, first of all listen to your body. If your kid or you or, or don't feel well. If your knee hurts, to, yeah, listen to it. Stop playing. Yeah, go see Somebody. a doctor. Go see yeah. a specialist. Go see a physical trainer or something like that. Yeah. If your ankle hurts, do the same thing. Like yeah. even your school trainer, your high school trainer. Like those yeah. guys don't are there to help yourself. You. Because some kids you can get away with it. Yeah. Um. You know, two kids. I think that this in in my era and in this generation are 
uh, well known in, in in their sport, and I'd look back at it, and and Frank Knight would 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 vouch for me here because they played modern day in the state title game that year, his senior year Fremont, they went into overtime modern day one. It was with Shea Cotton. So Shea was dunking like a man in sixth to seventh grade. So how many dunks did he have? Let's say between sixth grade and 12th grade. And how much pressure did that put on his body? At I mean, 10 pounds. You were talking only in game dunks, like during games, a whole lot. And then outside of that on the concrete, yeah, he, that's, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. He, cause he was dunking right. Like a grown person at a young age. So how much, where did that just put on that he didn't need that he could have used later? Sure. Again, it's just a point I'm making. Same thing with the great track runner he ran at Muir. His name's Obi Moore. Now, Obi was a state champion in the 200, 400, and even he was very good at the 100, and obviously in Muir's 4x4 and 4x1. Well, he ran at the Olympic trials in Atlanta as a high school junior in 1996 in the 400 meters. And everybody knows that because... Michael Johnson was the Michael the, Johnson, yeah, was the big, yep. the big name of that Olympics. One of the names, and he was in that event. So everybody's thinking Obi's going to win gold in Australia in 2000. He's going to be a legend. Well, he didn't rest, and then his senior he got hurt, and he and he still kept running on it. Yeah. And he, even though he was finishing maybe first in some heats, or he was still placing for Muir, he was just wearing his body down. Mm-hmm. And Obi. Never became a college star, never became an Olympian. Interesting. So, and he was a huge name, Devin, at the time in track. I mean, he was the name. Okay. Like, he was like the LeBron James, the, the Kevin Garnett. He just was way up there. He was okay. already in Olympic times at 16 years old. That's and crazy. by 20, he was done. Is that like a, like a Michael Norman kind of situation? You know, Michael Norman? Yeah, he's as good as Michael Norman, okay. but Michael Norman has continued to develop. Right. Did he play football? Uh, Michael Marietta? Norman Rista Marietta. I would say maybe one season he might have played. Okay. But he wasn't like, I don't think he was. Coming up through the little leagues and I'm gotcha. sorry, little Pop Warner, Pop Warner, yeah, yeah, the whole way through. I don't think so. It's very interesting. It's overused. I, I, I personally think Shea was overused. You know, going to Boo Williams, going to Izzy Washington, Ramage. Right. Who non- didn't want to play, play him to play on the team? Yeah. Just again, I'm just throwing that out there. So I would say that overuse. Um, I also think for parents, look at Devin. We we talk about sports. No kid wants to do chores. No kid wants to rake the leaves. No kid wants to do those type of things around mm-hmm. the house. Even that, even that might help with, with movement, yeah. dude, honestly. Yeah. No, but the reason I point is, is why do people start their kids in basketball? Because they like it. Okay. Now, I'm trying to make a bigger point. You think it's success because you see the success. Making a basket seems like, oh, he must be good. That's not success, first of all. Second of all, try your kid... In something he may not be not good at. like. Yeah, yeah. I don't want, son. I want you to try it. What? What is going to happen? He's going to cry or get mad. Oh, I don't want to. I like basketball. So sometimes you got to get your kid to do something he doesn't like. Right. Guess what? Put him in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. And then second, he might like it. Yeah. You never know. You never know. So I think that's the point. We always say, I like baseball. Okay, Johnny likes baseball. Well, Johnny, why don't you try football? Why don't you try tennis? Is Johnny soft. <laughs> You get what I because you're making him soft because you're not trying him at something that he doesn't want to do. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, my, my parents. Yeah. My, I would say that from personal experience because my dad was like, I like you to play the guitar. Okay. I, I liked it. You know, it was okay, but he pushed me toward it. <laughs> Let's get you a guitar in here. <laughs> you know? Matt, yeah. Matt Rodriguez, if you're listening, yeah. get, we need a guitar in the balls. I love this. I need to see Ronnie I'm Flores through. go Carlos Santana yeah. for us. Yeah, it's funny, <laughs> but like, I didn't love it, but he pushed me through yeah, it yeah, and, yeah. I, yeah. and, I, and I enjoyed it. 
but I like sports a little bit more. But sure. that's the point. He didn't just let me do what I wanted. Yeah. So just because your kid doesn't uh, sign him up for Little League for one year, just to see what happens. Yeah. Because it'll give them responsibility. It'll give them, you know. Just a different look. Just, just a different look. Yeah. And, and I, I think mean, that's what we're missing here. We always want to do what the kids want to do. Ryan, well, what if yeah. that happened? Yeah. Little Ryan might be on the mound throwing 60. At, he at, might like at, it. At, at 10 years old. Yeah. And your kid might jump out of the way yeah. of the ball or get beamed and cry. Yeah. Like, I cry when I got beamed when I was younger. He'll get over it. You get on the mound and bean somebody in return. Yeah. And it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you enjoy the game. You learn different things. Um, things I learned in Little League still stick with me. Yeah. You know, the songs, the chants, the smell, the bat. Ronnie, you're, does, you're yeah. going deep right yeah, now, yeah. dude. No, but I'm trying you're to You're going deep right now. <laughs> you know, it's great. I, was, I got pine tar in my, yeah. in my yeah, nose yeah, right yeah. now. I'm smelling <laughs> the freshly cut grass. Yeah. Yeah. The, the sun setting over the left yeah. field. Yeah, dude, it's great. It was a great experience <laughs> is the point. So I hear you. You don't know what you're missing until you try it. Right, And that's right, what right. I'm trying to say. And then an- another thing is um, as you get older, I think kids are missing the fact that you don't – it's discipline. You don't need – when you're 17, 16, you can drink three, four sodas. Oh, I thought you were about to say something yeah, else. No, I'm you, like, we don't yeah, need to go there, yeah, Ronnie. No. no, we could drink four or five sodas. We can eat five pieces of pizza. Well, when are you going to start learning to get disciplined yeah. to get to the pros? Yeah. I thought when you were you... talking about adult sodas. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> you know, like a kid, you can eat whatever right, you, you can eat whatever you want, want. and go play right. five basketball yeah. games. Well, it's not going to work when you get older. No, I That's I mean, going to separate the, the kids who make it who don't. Right? Like, you're drinking a lot at age 25, and you go to 24-hour fitness and, and, and yeah. try and yeah. hoop and yeah. play against guys younger than you who maybe just graduated yeah. high school. Yeah. You're gasping for air. Yeah. And right? it's the same thing with kids who are eating bad. Same thing. Yeah. We have we have an obese problem in this country. Driving to McDonald's every day because everything is handed to right. us. You yeah. know, with, whether it's Uber Eats now. Oh yeah, you can sit on your couch, order yeah. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You don't have to leave your house. You don't even have to leave your house. You can order your coffee. You can order yeah food. So it's, it's just a point. Just sit of there, giving them a different perspective, making them a little uncomfortable. I think that's a good point you yeah. brought up, and trying different things. And um, you know, you gotta you gotta rest. Um, I think yeah. You that's yeah, one gotta thing. Rest. You gotta rest at some point. And you got to have, you know, if, if somebody wants to keep getting you to play, you got to kind of think, I know it's hard to perspective for a 15 to 14 say, why does this person want to keep me to do this? <laughs> you got to, like, no, the, the kids want to play. That's the thing. Yeah. It's yeah. like the parents have to take the lead and be like, listen, we're yeah. going to shut you down for this tournament. Yeah. Like you don't need to play in this tournament. Yeah. If you're f- 14 years old, you don't need to play in a tournament every single weekend. No. Are you, it's, like it's not playing for five different teams that like we see some of these kids do and, and play in multiple games, multiple teams for in the same tournament. Yeah. That's when we get to the point where it's, it's like too much. It's like what I'm going to leave everyone with right now. We've gone far too long on this topic. I think we're like an hour and 20 deep, something like that. Ronnie, gyms, they smell like shit. Okay. Yeah. Get outside, play yeah. some tennis, go across the street. Play some football with your buddies. Play baseball. Do something different when you're younger. At least learn the mechanics yeah, and the sure. movements of that it's gonna sport. It's going to help you later on. It's yeah. going to help you later on. There's multiple different mechanics that are involved in, in one sport. Golf club. Oh, I played some golf yesterday, dude. Yeah. Played 18 holes. My 84-year-old grandpa, he's playing golf. He yeah. takes like 45 minutes to hit the ball. Yeah. But he's yeah. still out there hitting the ball. And he yeah. played tennis, played golf. He played baseball. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's very important. It gives you well balanced. You meet new friends. Yeah. You get a different perspective. It's about more than life, really. Yeah, it's it's a little. I mean, it's, it's about, about enjoying it's, life. It's about, it's about more than just the sport. It's about overall life, quality of life. Yep. And in turn, not getting injured before your athletic prime. And that's uh, quality that's of life that's too. That's what we want. That's what we want. We want every kid to you know see out their entire athletic 
ability and not have that cut short because of injury and overuse injuries. And, and that's obviously, what we're seeing. Yeah, obviously we had multiple guests on Coach Frank Knight from Moral Catholic, Baxter Holmes, who wrote the, the article that kind of sparked this conversation. It's on ESPN.com. If you have time, make sure you read it. And then Drew Morcos, uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, physical trainers and, and therapists in Orange County, in, in the world, honestly. Um, check him out, Modus Specialist. Uh, Ronnie, I think that'll do it for, for this topic. It's a very important one. Something I'm sure we'll hit on again later uh, as you know, maybe another injury happens or something or like we that. Or we get more information. More we information get comes out. Yeah, maybe the NBA yeah. takes, takes further action with the youth, youth organizations. Um, and there's going to be pushback there. Yeah, but until then, let's, let's kind of let everyone know about the Bay vs. LA game. Ronnie, this, this uh, Sunday at Cerritos College, the high school game will start at 3 o'clock. Yes. Uh, give us the names of the guys for Team LA. Uh, Team LA, Sky Clark, um, Heritage Christian, the only 222 player. For uh, the South, we call it, you know, Team LA. Uh, Jalen Clark from Etiwana is going to play. Ian Martinez bound for Utah from J. Sarah. Uh, Judah Brown, who did really good at the Beach City uh, Clash. Mm-hmm. You know, he's jumping around all over the place, hitting shots. Judah's uh, kind of fired up. I kind of trying to get Judah fired up. Maybe he can win the MVP again. Uh, Peyton Watson from Long Beach Poly, high rising junior. Um, Quickly moving up the charts, gets big uh, Pac-12 offers. Yeah, he's a very talented yep. player. Keith Dinwiddie, who's also gotten some big offers now. Uh, combo guard from Fairfax High School. He had a pretty good junior year, and he's a, you know wants to have a big senior. Keith likes to play. He's one of the kids. He's one of the guys plays in anything, yeah, dude. Yeah, Keith just plays. Yeah, he does. And he's a tough, pretty tough kid, and he he knows his game. Um, Reese Dixon Waters. Who is was at Dorsey last year? And correct me if I'm wrong. He's going to St. Bernard's. St. Bernard's yep. terrific shooting guard with um, good grades and just a good all around player. KJ Simpson, kind of one of those high flyers. I think the the uh, fans are going to like. Yep. Um, Big Bradley is is he Big real? Bradley. We love Big Bradley. You know he's, he's like some muscle in there. He provides provides some muscle for the South. Bradley, do me a favor. No yeah. threes, man. Let's just get some dunks. Just, Dominate the paint like yeah. you're supposed to. Yep. Um, Bretton Napper one from of the, Colony. Yeah, he's one of the most unknown guys out, I think, out west. I think the, one of the fans are going to like yeah, that yeah. him. He's going to be a fan favorite because he's not very big, and he can jump. He's like 5'10", but he's explosive as hell. Yeah, and he can jump, and he can play from Colony. Shakir O'Neal, the son of Shaquille O'Neal, scheduled to play for Team LA. And McCore Maker, who is you know a reclass player in 220. He's pretty good. You know, McCore, a lot of people think highly of him. Yeah. Again, the the the... The range of what people. I mean, seven feet tall to do what he does is pretty impressive. Yep. Now let's jump over to yeah Team Bay. Team let's Bay, run down who is a, a conglomerate of players who have ties to the north because right, yeah yes. obviously there's another event, but not just that. We want to try to get as competitive a game as possible. And some of the guys who currently play at prep schools in Arizona or various other states, but they. Grew up or, you know, have were born, have north. family in the north. And when we speak of north, we're talking about north of the grapevine. Yeah, That's correct. what we consider, consider north. Coleman Hawkins, who's from Sacramento, who plays that prolific prep, gives the team bay a lot of size. He was in played in last year's game. He did very well in last year's game. Jaden Phillips from Modesto Christian, uh, up-and-coming shooting guard, was a state champion last year at Foothill and Bakersfield. He's, he's a Modesto kid who's also lived in Antioch. Good player. Aiden Mahaney, last year's Cal High Sports State Freshman of the Year, helped his team win the Division One state title. Um, they beat Napper's team, right? 
Was Mahaney, that the D2 team? I'm sorry, yeah, D2. 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 D1 was Chino Hills. Right. It was D2. Yeah, so it we got a little uh, state, state championship, championship rematch, rematch between Napper and, and Mahaney. Yeah. We're going to uh, we're gonna have to match them make up sure the, the rosters reflect that. Yep. Issa Silva, who's from Sacramento, goes to Carmichael Jesuit, one of the better junior guards in the country. He's all right. Yeah, he's okay, he's Silva. Okay. Silva, we're, we're Silva, not going to get it too much. Silva's okay. He's you're okay, right. Silva. Robbie Beasley, the North MVP last year, 18 points, 9 rebounds. He's from San Ramon. San Ramon. He's now at Doherty Valley High School. I'm sure he'll come in ready. He yeah. He's he's, he's you talk about toughness. He's he's a, he's a beast. Yeah. Uh, another player who's returned from last year, Xavion Brown from Sheldon, Sacramento, defending NorCal Open champions. Explosive player. He can do a lot. You know, we'll see what what he what he has in store. Obviously, Xavion can. Um, explode at any moment. Just, he can, he can, he can he dominate, dominate the game, the game if he wants to. Yeah. Um, Dalen Terry, who's from. Lives in Arizona and has ties to Madera, California. His family's from there. His aunts and his and his mother uh, are basketball players who played, and his aunt also coaches college basketball. You know, they grew up in Madera, and he has a lot of family there in the Fresno area. Another kid from the Fresno area, Cole Anderson from Clovis West, good like shooter, good, good shooter. player. Yep. Um, Sacramento kid who now is in Phoenix as well, is uh, Frankie Collins, explosive 221 guard. Yep, dunks everything with his left hand. Yeah, he kind of leans with that <laughs> left hand, kind of a John yeah, Starks. Like dunk. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that's he leans in with like John Starks yeah. type of dunk, tries to dunk on people. Yeah. Frankie's tough, and he's, yeah, he's a he's good. good player. Uh, two kids from Vallejo, Chance McMillan, who uh, is a high flyer. I think he's going to kind of try to match a little bit with what Ian and with what Judah Brown can bring sure. for the South. And Jalon Martinez, who another returner from last year's game, who, you know, he's always going to give it his all. He, um, you know, even though he was matched up against Evan Mobley last year, he he tried to stay in there. Yeah, he could hit a couple fall away shots, hit a couple shots over him, and he, he was going at it. He's and, no BS for sure. Yeah, he's 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 a very big asset to the North. So the North has four or five guys that played last year, and it should be fun game. Cerritos College, August twenty fifth. Doors open at two p.m. There will also be a. A celebrity type game, influencer, influencer celebrity game, game yeah. Afterwards, so stick around for that. Our guy Darren, our Ball is Life guy da- Darren D Money, he's going to be playing in it. I'm expecting, yeah. I'm expecting at least Darren. If you're listening, let's go. What's the over under there? Let's go. Let's go. Twelve points, points. and Darren's got, Darren's got like quick hands, Hence. five steals and yeah. seven assists. Wow. That's my. That's what I'm getting. That's what Darren needs. Yeah. If we don't get that, uh, I'm buying lunch for everybody. Wow. Just kidding. So yeah, Darren's a, a good player. Uh, I think Darren's a, like me, a lefty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he is. He is. He has good ball movement. He holds the uh, he holds the Papa shot record in the in the um, uh, in our office in here. the office here. Yeah. So again, <laughs> appreciate you guys listening. Uh, again, this is a very important topic. Should be more of a fun, laid back atmosphere this weekend. But always keep in mind of how much you play, uh, where you play, and getting some rest and trying new and good things. Yeah. T- Play some tennis. Uh, if you want to come play golf with me, hit me up on Twitter. You can come play golf with me anytime you want. Uh, it's a fun time. I throw clubs, say a lot of cuss words, uh, yell at people who are playing too slow, and sometimes I even hit into them with the ball. Like they're they're <laughs> I can like see you doing they're that. like maybe two forty out, and my drives are about two fifty to two sixty. I'll let one go. I'll let one fly. Maybe you know hit them and, and put a little pep in their step. But uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys listening in as always if you have time and want to like and subscribe on itunes and soundcloud we're on spotify as well please take the time to do so it it helps us out tremendously uh but again that's that's it for episode 35 of the in the paint show with ronnie and devin we'll be back next week with a whole another topic thanks so much for listening have a good one